Welcome to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography and design, with your hosts, Glyn Dewis and Dave Clayton. Hello and welcome back to another episode of He Shoots, He Draws. Uh, last week we hit a big milestone, which was 200,000 downloads in just over two and a half years. So it's 118 episodes when we hit it. It was the Aaron Draplin episode and I was sat at home and I was refreshing the screen because we were getting closer and closer. And uh, I like it when the podcast hits milestones because it just means the work that's being done is like pushing forward and it means you know the right things are happening people are listening it's interesting enough so thank you to everyone that has listened to the podcast over the past couple of years you've left reviews on itunes we've got over 100 reviews we've got a five-star podcast i mean all the things i could never have imagined that we would have got as a show but uh, we did it's happened the podcast is standing on its own two feet and uh, and doing really well. Given there's a lot of competition, I think it's close to, if not, a million podcasts at the moment. And with everything that's going on, I know my podcast listening habits have changed. And I know there's definitely been a decrease in a lot of people's downloads. So it really meant a lot to sort of hit that milestone for the show. So thank you, everybody. It was really exciting and quite sad to be sat there refreshing and refreshing and refreshing. But uh, it happened and, you know, I'm well chuffed about that. So uh, with regards to the podcast, I mean, thanks to everyone that's been listening every week and thanks to our guests because uh, without guests, it's not really much of a show. Um, I've got a lot of good guests already recorded and in the bag. In fact, I think I've probably got enough episodes recorded now to take me till the end of August. So I'm trying to get ahead of the game. I'm trying to been trying to improve the show each week and look at different ways to make it a bit better so I will be changing the format a little bit uh, I want to thank Alan Hess especially the last three months he stepped in and been my guest co-host uh, he's been an absolute star he's in the middle of writing this massive book I mean he, he showed me the other day the amount of work he's doing just on one chapter and it is immense so big thank you to Alan for taking the time out for doing that you know, these things are time consuming. I'm not going to complain because, you know, there are people at the moment in the world who've got a lot more bigger things to deal with and to worry about. And uh, I hope that will hope things that are happening today uh, around the world, what with COVID and the Black Lives Matter movement and all the things, you know, let's make this world a better place. And this podcast is a tiny little part of that. We've all got a part to play to make everything better. But um you know, let's keep moving forward. Let's keep looking forward and uh, and being safe and sensible. Uh, with regards to this week's guest, uh, it's Teresa Jackson, who I actually met 10 years ago at Photoshop World, my first Photoshop World and hers. And subsequently, it was the event that, the, that I met Alan, which I've spoken about before. We were sitting in an elevator and I recognised him and he asked who I was and we struck up a friendship and we've been mates ever since. Uh, and Teresa was the first attendee that I met at the show. And um, I'm not going to say too much about it because we do talk about it in the show. But really, this was kind of three people who met at the same time talking about how over the past 10 years. And I'm a big one, like I said, I'm a big one for milestones, things that happened over periods of time. And uh, the last 10 years has just been incredible for me uh, in terms of my professional life and friendships and everything. So to sit down with Teresa and Alan and talk about the things that we've shared, our progression, our opportunities that have been afforded to us, saying yes to them and taking chances and doing things we never thought we'd do. Uh, this podcast being one of them. I mean, I never thought I'd ever be hosting a podcast, teaching, writing, 
It really has been uh, an incredible time for all of us. Um, so whatever you're doing, whatever industry you're in, whatever you're trying to do to, to improve yourself, you know, I hope that uh, you get through this year and we just keep, like I say, pushing forward trying to take the time to improve who we are and what we do and also how we can make the, you know the world a better place for the people around us because that's what's important right now so yeah i'll uh, i'll jump into the episode like i said thank you for supporting the podcast uh, lots happening working on a new website at the moment trying to make it easier to find previous guests because we've got a lot of great guests that have been on the show and people are still finding the podcast day by day so i'd like people to enjoy some of the older episodes working on the website and trying to do a few other things a bit of rebranding new intro music lots and lots of things happening great guests lined up and uh, i hope you enjoy it so uh, see you next week hello and welcome to another episode of he shoots he draws with me dave clayton and my my co-host my i don't know what to call you my substitute co-host alan hess who's joining us again and this week is an episode that you may not know the guest name when you see her name on the uh on the show graphics but i've known Teresa for 10 years this is our 10 year anniversary and uh Teresa and I were both at the same event, which I, is the one where I also met Alan. And me and Alan were chatting the other day, talking about people in the industry we know. And we both sort of decided, actually, Teresa should be a guest on here because we all kind of share a similar story. We all sh- we all, we, I know you two had met before, and um, I met you two at the same event. But I sort of wanted to share your story with our listeners because you and I have both kind of gone down a similar path where Alan was already established. He was already the superstar at the show that I got to meet in the elevator and, and fanboy go, oh my God, that's Alan Hess. Can I have your exactly. autograph? Um, so, Teresa, just give everyone a kind of brief, in, you know, if people walk up to you in a bar and say, what do you do for a living? What, what answer do you give today? Everything. <laughs> Too oh much yeah underpaid. it's like really hard to answer that question because i juggle a whole lot of things but i guess um first and foremost i'm an educator that's what i spend the majority of my time doing today but 10 years ago when we met i probably would have answered the question that i was a graphic artist or a designer freelance designer i probably told alan that when i met him and a kind of interested in getting into photography but didn't really call myself a photographer so today I'm definitely a photographer and a trainer and a college instructor um, a LinkedIn learning author a conference speaker I spent a while writing and uh, for a column for a magazine so I did went down that road too so yeah so I do a whole lot of a lot of different things so that's great that like you say 10 years ago when we met you and i had kind of connected on twitter and we went to photoshop world las vegas 2010 and there was a tweet up the night before and you and i i think were like the first two you were my first friend you were my first photoshop world i remember what you were wearing oh really yeah it was you had a t-shirt you had a t-shirt on that said speedway or Speed, yeah, yeah so I've got a race because in you told me in Twitter to look for you. I'll be wearing right, yeah. a Speedway shirt. So I remember yeah. that. It's interesting that we met on Twitter because I don't spend a lot of time on Twitter now. I, I kind of I'm kind of voyeuristic. I'll, I'll check things out, but I don't really talk to people there. But that's how I we think met. that was that was something Dame 
Nap embraced at the time, which is right. why it was called the Tweet Up and developed into a Meet Up. Um, but yeah, I, I remember coming in. You were the first person I knew and met, and we were chatting pretty much all night. And I know Dave Cross was the first instructor that I got to speak to, like of the Photoshop guys that came in there, and you know got introduced to other people. But I remember that night so, like, so fondly I do because too. when I first turned up not not really knowing what to expect and I was just a graphic designer it was 2010 so I was just I just not long moved to uh to Swindon where I live now um so I kind of went on a on a whim like, I'll pay the money I'll go and see what it's like and felt I was going to be a small fish in a big pond but people like you and Alan and others made it quite the opposite. It was f- a big pond, wasn't yeah. it? Like, I was kind of yeah. overwhelmed. Well, oh, well, no, not kind of. I was very overwhelmed. I, I need to go back just a, just a few months before that Photoshop world started. Because Teresa and I actually met yeah. during Scott Kelby's Worldwide Photo Walk. Yeah, I it was, was during the um, Comic-Con. Yeah, and I was hosting a photo walk, and um, <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. Honestly, and I was about to teach in my first Photoshop world, and I was trying to keep my act together. And here comes this woman, and she goes, "So, why should I go to Photoshop World?" And I'm just frozen on the spot. I am like, I hadn't gone in a couple of years. I've been following it along. I was ready to go and teach again, and now I'm suddenly surrounded by all these people. I'm supposed to lead on a photo walk through the craziest time of San Diego through Comic Con. I, I completely set myself up to fail and now i'm being put on the spot and and i I think it was even worse alan i think i said hi i'm Teresa, and you're an instructor and why should i go to photoshop world because i'm already really good at photoshop i think i said something like that and i'm really modest no she she had taken a she had taken a seminar by ben wilmore i believe a one-day class that's right and she was like well ben's there and i'm doing this photo walk and you're there and why should i go and i still remember this conversation because i went you're probably not going to remember anything about photoshop but you will be inspired and for me, Absolutely. Photoshop World was all about the inspiration at the time because you know, I'm a photographer and I like to I like to use Photoshop and I do, but I don't know all the tools and I'm never going to know all the tools and I'm never going to try to be that designer or the person doing all the stuff. But I, I really believed that I got inspired by Photoshop World and I was really hoping that other people would be inspired by Photoshop World. And um, and I, I remember that conversation clearly. I remember, I remember where we were standing. I remember everything about it. And I was like, okay. I hope I see you at Photoshop World. And I believe you came to Photoshop World that year and then won a guru. Like, yeah. Yeah. First, well, we're going to come up. We're going to come up. But it was like, that. I remember yeah. sitting in the audience, like, there I am. Like, I'm my first time instructing and I'm sitting and suddenly up on the screen pops up these guru award things. And it's, and I'm like, oh my God, that's Therese. Like, like I know her. You've never I, shared that oh, with no. me. And I was sitting next to I Joe McNally that. and Jay Maisel. So I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the screen and I'm shaking because I'm sitting next to two of my photography heroes and I don't feel like I belong there at all. And then I'm like cheering because suddenly someone I know is on the screen up for a guru award. Yeah, and, and I was the there award. because of you. So, you know, yeah. that whole like you're that everything that happened was really kind of it inspired everything that happened from my life in the last 10 years. And I know that it has for both wow. of you two as well. So it feels kind of like we owe a hell of a lot to that particular Photoshop. Work. Yeah, and, definitely. And, because yeah. I remember, I remember when I went, 
and the reasons I had for going was I'd not long been made the uh, Kelby Evangelist or the Nap Evangelist, Nap Member UK, as it as I was then. Um, uh, um, you know, I, I've well documented my story. Mine, mine started out with a letter to Nancy Massey, and it opened up from there. So, come Photoshop World, I was very much. Well, I've always wanted to go. It's been so expensive. I saved up. I had some money from my house that I sold. And I thought, well, if I don't do this, I'll never do it. Um, even to the point I got an email from the Mandalay Bay saying, did I want to upgrade my room to like a, a corner? So I was looking out on the strip and I paid the extra $50 a night or whatever it was. I wanted the full experience. But bizarrely, I had no intention. My 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 reason to visit the event wasn't really to go to the classes my my reason was for being there i just wanted to be there and then whatever came of it came of it i wanted to meet scott kelby i wanted to see the five the, the four or five photoshop guys teach their thing because pete wasn't there then and just see what else came along go to every event i went on the the photo walks i went on the the tweet ups i went to the parties the midnight madness everything and that event changed my life definitely changed my, my, my life too absolutely um, you know from meeting alan from meeting you the friend the friends i still have today mm-hmm. from right. that first event even though they don't go to photoshop world anymore because you know evolution and th- that we've got more choices but a- as an actual starting event the reason why i share this story over and over is because for anybody listening who's ever thought is it worth going should i invest in it absolutely if you can afford to invest in yourself and go to an event whether it be Max or a Photoshop world or a similar kind of event, I think you should do it. I think if you if you know your reason for going and you can justify the, the expense on yourself, I think you should go because even if you might come out of it thinking, well, I, you know, I knew everything they taught me in those Photoshop classes, you will come away with relationships and friends that will change your life. I, I can absolutely elaborate on that. <clears throat> I- I don't know how many people I've actually shared this with, so now I'll make it totally public, but my mom paid for my first way to Photoshop World the first time I went that year, 10 years ago, because she believed in me. I didn't believe in myself. I couldn't, it wasn't that I didn't believe in myself, but I couldn't justify the expense. I didn't feel mm. like I I was worth that expense. And what's really amazing about that looking back on it it wasn't that much money photoshop world was a fairly affordable conference five five or six hundred i don't think think. it was even five hundred dollars to to sign up early or whatever but after i met alan one thing that he didn't um tell you that i remember very clearly that he said is was three things you'll probably learn something about photoshop that you don't know for sure, you're going to meet great people and make friends. And most importantly, you're going to come away really inspired. And it was it was the perfect answer. I left I left that night feeling like, I got to go. He's absolutely right. I got to go. I'm in. It, at that point, I worked in my home office by myself. I didn't have any coworkers. I didn't have any colleagues. I wasn't networking with anybody. I didn't know anybody in the industry I didn't know there was a whole online world and I felt very alone so I remember having a conversation with my mom about it and she's like totally into Vegas and she had a player's card and she had you know (laughs) she had like a room that she could get for for no cost if if she went with me 
So my mom and my aunt and I went to Vegas and um, I shared a room with them and it was, it was amazing. Ever since then, I invest in myself. After that event, I realized how important it is that if you want to continue to grow, you have to be able to reinvest a few dollars every once in a while, and it will definitely pay off in the long run. Yeah, when you see the amount of money dropped on gear, it's like I mean, I went to Photoshop World really graphic design. I took part in a couple of photography things because I thought, you know, go and stretch, stretch yourself. But when you look at the amount of money, you know, photographers drop on gear, but won't invest in themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, you, you, <laughs> this is going to sound wrong. You are a tool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you are, you are a part of your toolbox. So you need to be the best you can be to be able to get the best out of the equipment you've bought. And that's, you know, every year when you're doing your budgets and you're sitting down, I think you've got to put money away for self-marketing, like self-promotion and and self-training. Yeah, um, all of that and, gear isn't going to get you anything if you're not inspired to use it. Yeah, exactly. So you, you obviously went to Photoshop World and did you go with a designer's head? I presume a designer's head on more so than a photographer's head because of what you were doing at the time because when I met you I, I think of you as a graphic designer mm-hmm. but but what gave you the confidence to also well, go uh, do you know what I'll enter the gurus as well <laughs> well okay so we'll take that first part I was just generally interested in Photoshop now I took Ben Wilmore's um, one day workshop the fall before so it was it was in the previous year 2009 and at that point I didn't know who Ben was and I didn't know who I didn't know who Kelby was I didn't know I mean I really was just in a in a in the hole someplace I just didn't know so I went to this I did pay for that on my on my own that was the first Mm. time I I spent some money on myself because I was reading this glossy brochure and it's talked about stuff I'm like well I know how to do that and I know how to do that and then talked about HDR I'm like I don't really know what that is so I googled HDR I'm like that looks really cool I'd like to try that so I went and I took that one day seminar and there was like a thousand people in the room or something I was blown away I'm like this many people use Photoshop in San Diego you gotta be kidding me and then there was these two women that were sitting next to me and they were like in love with Ben they thought he was so cute and they were just like like the whole time they were just they were in awe and I was just watching everything he does now this is kind of embarrassing but this is the absolute truth it was the lunch break before I realized that Ben was demonstrating his techniques with his own images. I swear to God, I had no idea. I thought he was using stock photos. And it took me half the day to figure out, oh my God, he's an artist. He's using Photoshop as an artist tool. And that's who I wanted to be. In that moment, right then, I realized, because I went to fine art <laughs> I got a bachelor's degree in fine arts many, many, many years ago. And I didn't feel like I was living as the artist I was supposed to be. So Ben's workshop, I I sound so stupid now, but at that time, I just wasn't aware that I could be a digital artist. I didn't have to be a designer. I could use Photoshop for art. 
So I went to Photoshop world looking for more of that inspiration. So I can't really put it in the category of photography or design, but definitely as a medium to create with. That's a great answer. So what, so you obviously entered the gurus as well, because Alan mentioned you won. So spoiler yeah. alert, Teresa won. Um, but that was one of the things that I always encourage people to say, you know, look, enter the gurus because so many people don't think they're good enough to win. They don't enter when really it enter because it is a smaller, it is a smaller pool. But, you know, I was the same as Alan. I'm sat there. They're doing the gurus. And I think you'd mentioned when we when we spoke that you'd entered something into the gurus anyway. Because yeah. I was looking out to see how you get on. And I sat there. I had goosebumps because I was like, I know her. I met her <laughs> last week. <laughs> she, she's like, well, well, Teresa. Well, I was so, like, so pleased for you because, you know, there you are at your first Photoshop world. You've entered the gurus. I didn't even enter them. I didn't even think, ah, I'm not doing that there's going to be people it didn't it didn't cost anything that's why no so that was two reasons first of all if you are attending you're encouraged to enter no so you know there wasn't i didn't have to really put any anything out to do that so that was the first thing the second thing is is that i really honestly didn't expect that i had any chance in the world of winning so I thought well I'm just gonna participate I'm fully in I'm going I'm gonna fully participate mm. um, if I had known a couple things which I didn't know which is good if I had known there was going to be 2,000 people in the audience I wouldn't have entered <laughs> and I absolutely would not have entered a self-portrait <laughs> so <laughs> imagine was my face was the size of a two-story building on the on the stage that yeah. was yeah that, that was, was a little nerve-wracking <laughs> <laughs> but that that was such a great experience because that that again it's just if you don't take part it won't happen right. if you don't put yourself out there it won't happen so let's move on from from that one then so that we, we've had our first photoshop world I certainly got the bug um I couldn't go back in 2011 I think my next one was 2012 but it certainly made me come away from it thinking, okay, I can do I can do something more with what I do. I just need to structure what I do. And even back then, you know, at that point, uh, I was 44, so 43, um, no, 43, 44. So I was late, you know, coming, coming into it late in the game. Um, no spring chicken. I was a graphic designer. I, I'd been working for a graphic design agency. But at no, at no point after coming away from that did I ever think I would be doing what, I've, what I'm doing 10 years later. So for you, what was that first step of, you know, you had Orchard View Colour, you had your own business, you were doing what you were doing. Just talk us through those steps, how you've added all those extra things. Because like education for me came five years later. And I'd never done public speaking ever, mm -hmm. a, a wedding, maybe my own wedding, but I hadn't stood up in front of a crowd ever and done anything. And my first time of doing that was 50 years old at Photoshop World. So what were the kind of steps when you came away from that, that you then pushed yourself into the next thing you hadn't done before and education being one of those bigger things? The, the education came a few years later i think i started teaching seven years ago so it was about three years after that before i started teaching um at, at the time 
that I went to that first Photoshop world, I was, I, I am an introvert. A lot of people don't recognize that because I'm very social, but I really am an introvert. So up until that point, I hadn't put myself out there at all. So the first step was just saying, I'm here, I have something to create, something to share. I started doing that in the local community. At the same time that I went to Photoshop World, I um, joined a local photography group and club and I started networking on a local. So that started building my confidence to create and share my work in that in the local San Diego community. Two years later, I went back to Photoshop World again and won another my second Guru Award in the in the same <laughs> in the same category, artistic category. So I was I I found that I had something to share that Photoshop I could create I could be an artist with Photoshop and that what I created resonated with people at that Photoshop World. Um, I had met a lot of people already through Photoshop World. And Kevin Stolmeyer, which I'm pretty sure both of you know who oh, yeah. Kevin is. Yeah, and Kevin. Kevin. Kevin recommended me after the second Guru Award. He recommended me to the Adobe Community Professionals Program, which Dave, you were part of for a short while, and I'm still yeah. active in that. And it's really in that community that I started networking with a lot of other coaches and trainers and educators and was watching a lot of their webinars and things they were doing and feeling like, you know, I have something to share. I think I can do this too. At the same time, another local um, associate that I was printing some of my fine art with, he was a salesperson for um, for a fine art printer. He said, you know, you'd be a really good Photoshop teacher because you're really passionate about it. And you could teach at UCSD Extension. And I had never even considered, I really, it was totally accidental. As somebody had to tell me that I would be a good teacher because I hadn't really thought about it. So it took about a year from applying to when I got hired and I got into my first classroom. And I remember, I very clearly, I remember being in my car driving home. And I said out loud to nobody <laughs> but myself, wow. I'm supposed to be a teacher. This is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. And I was I was already 50 at that point, mm. maybe 51. So, um, yeah, I got started, you know, I wish I had started younger, but you can't, you know, I know you can go back and just go forward exactly. with it. And I, and I know, I know when I think of my personality, because again, like you, I am an introvert. And if had you met me, 10 years before that you wouldn't you wouldn't have even remembered me from Photoshop world I I literally can I can get behind the wallpaper in a room yeah at a party and just not be known so did you have so, to give uh, yourself a pep talk to go to that like tweet up and oh. and meet oh, us yeah. yeah yeah and so Alan when I introduced myself to you I was totally in that okay I can do this I can put myself out there and I'm so glad I did because look at you know, look what it's done for my life. Since I've been willing to say, "Here I am," I have something to share. I think that's now the you, key. Alan. You, Alan. Obviously, you're the cat. The catalyst here is you. Yeah. You were you were already teaching, <laughs> no. and obviously, you. you see, would, see, see, wow. here's, here's the here's the thing. I had been asked to teach. I was going to teach. But I had never right. taught before, and I had never stood in front of a room before, and I had no idea what I was in for. So 
um, when people are coming up with questions at, at when we had the, the worldwide photo walk and it's like, why should you, I, I had no idea. I'd gone in San Diego years before and I'd kept in contact emails and, and stuff with some of the Photoshop things. But I was just as nervous as everyone else because I had no idea what to expect or how to do it. So um, I, I literally was like, I'm going to fake this until I make this because I'm supposed to be the leader of this photo walk. I'm supposed to be the person in front of the room teaching. And um, teaching was never something that I like strove to do. And it's still at this point, not something that I do on a regular basis. I'm much happier sitting in front of my computer, writing books and <laughs> photographing concerts where I'm not seen, where I don't have to talk, where I don't have to interact. So I completely understand that whole psyching yourself up. Um, the thing about it was that I knew that Photoshop world in the past had changed my life because even when I went as a, as an attendee in San Diego and I skipped all the extra stuff, just the little concepts that I'd made, just the little friendships that had come up from that, just the little nuggets of things that had sat in my brain and the people I had seen talk made me want to go back and do it again. So I was looking forward to Photoshop world as, Oh, I get to go and teach. But more than that, I get to go and take all these other classes, which by the way, never yeah. happened because when you teach and people come and talk to you, you tend not to be able to go take all the other stuff. So there's a there's a downside to it as well that I found out that was a little um, the first year actually bothered me a lot because I wanted to go to all these classes and yet people wanted to talk to me and I wanted to talk to them. So I never end up going to take the classes. Um, yeah, I get that. And then I'm going to skip ahead a little bit because Teresa's now became the person who introduced me to Adobe Max. And that's another conversation that I'll never forget because we were doing this little San Diego in Del Mar, actually. They were doing this little photo one day, two day little photo thing. And I was asked to present it. And before it happened, the day before, I'm walking around and Teresa was there. So we start talking and she tells me that she's thinking about going to this new conference called Adobe Max. And I had never heard of it. I am like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And she explained the whole thing. And it was so different to the way Photoshop was world was set up. Photoshop world, you decide to go to a class, you just go to a class. If it's full, it doesn't matter. They'll just find a chair for you. You sit in the back. You don't like it, get up and leave. And she's trying to explain to me how Adobe Max was set up where you sign up ahead of time and you have this tracks and you have these classes and this student. And I was like, well, that sounds good. And yeah, whatever. I, I, I was interested, but it sounded too complicated for me at the time. That was that it literally did. It was like it sounded really cool. And she was very excited about the whole idea. But it's just something that I couldn't seem to get behind. Years later, I'm now ecstatic about Max. I'm ecstatic that I've actually been a TA there. I'm really happy this year. It's going online and everyone will get to kind of experience what I've got to experience the last couple of two years. You guys have both been doing it for a lot longer. Um, mm hmm. But for me to have that original conversation and and so just so everyone knows my conversation, Teresa, we don't speak every week, every month, but there's been some real highlights of where she's run. We run into each other over time. I've, well, we we both are. We're both in San right. Diego County and we're both part of the photography right. community here. So we cross paths, yeah. but it's not a and I've, I've photo I've photographed thing. her dad. Um, for my book. Yeah, <laughs> that was a highlight yeah. for me. Her, her dad is in my uh, Nikon Speedlight book. He's the cowboy. And we spent a whole evening up at his house photographing him in various situations. And it was an yeah. absolute blast. Your dad does look yeah. cool. Your dad looks awesome. My dad is awesome. Right. Well, that, that's, that's well, let's talk about this because, uh, you know, photography is now part of your life. Mm -hmm. um, where back when you were 
a digital artist um it, you were exploring it so how do you feel now you've added photography what what what's that brought to the table on top of what you were already doing because i still struggle with it it's, it's something i've i've like love so much and all my best friends are photographers and i belong to a you know organization that teaches photography but it's just something I've ne- I've just not been able to yeah, grasp. But so, Dave, we did that HDR photo walk, and you won. <laughs> so, well, no, see, I, t- I, I, t- I remember t- that. <laughs> I tell you what, I won. I I won the Brian Matias. I felt sorry for Dave because he turned up with the Sony, and everyone had a Nikon and a Canon, and he you still won. managed no, to pull. You won. Pull up, I got I got joint third. I was jealous. That's what I got. <laughs> But totally, I know it was a sympathy vote from Brian because he was like... And what was funny was I actually messaged Brian a couple of years ago when he became a Sony ambassador or, you know, one of those Sony, whatever they're called. And I sent him a message and said, listen, I know you won't ever admit it and we we don't ever need to talk about it, but I know that it was me that inspired you to go to Sony (laughs) because I turned up for that photo walk (laughs) with a Sony... I don't even know. I still own it. I still own the camera. But everyone had Nikon and, and Canon, and nobody knew how to set my camera up for bracketing. You were just way so, ahead of the times. <laughs> exactly. I, I knew Sony was the future, but that, oh. that was funny. And I love that photo walk, and I lo- enjoyed doing it. And you know, HDR, I said in another episode of Alan, that HDR taught me how to look at an image differently. But how have so, you found like adding photography to your life? I think, I think we need to back up a little bit. I... St- did photography in college. So I was a fine art major. I spent a lot of time in the darkroom in all through high school and in college. And I did weird stuff like, like I do now digitally. I was doing that kind of stuff in the darkroom. So um, I didn't not, I just did not have a lot of patience for test strips. Like (laughs) I just wanted a print. I wanted a picture, you know, I want it now. I don't want to like spend an hour like doing all these exposures and then examining them. I hated all of that. And after college, I always thought maybe I'd get myself my own darkroom because I love photography, but I just never did. It just, it, you know, it never was a priority. And when digital became a thing, I was I was ready for it. I was ready for it before it was a thing. Um, so I got I got re interested in photography, but I didn't really know anything about the digital cameras and how to use them. I'm still not really good at that, honestly. It's not where my interest is. My interest is in making images. That's yeah. it's just it's just as simple as that. Now I spent. I spent over 20 years in the print industry, in pre-press, retouching. I worked for Upper Deck Company for a long time, and I probably retouched in the tens of thousands of images of athletes, right? Because that's what I did all day. And we're we're going back to pre-Photoshop with um, equipment that was called Cytex. And it was before we had Photoshop to do this. So by the time I had a decent digital camera, which my first one was a Canon Rebel, but it was good enough, right? I could now 
capture my own images and do the kinds of things to them that I was doing to other people's images for so many years. So I came at my photography, my digital photography, as an editor and retoucher first and as a photographer second, if that makes any sense. No, that makes sense. Because for you, like like me, photography is an ingredient of part of a recipe that you've got. And, you, and you know, you your recipes your digital art and and the photography the photo is just one ingredient it's mm-hmm. not the be all end all it's you're you're going to end up doing stuff to that photograph that you're going to need to add different elements that the photograph is just there to help well, it, get it you can where you be. want to be i mean i have i have plenty of fine art photography that's not you know composited or there's no textures or anything like that but when i'm taking a picture i'm seeing how it's going to be edited not you know, I'm feeling that moment and I'm thinking about, I'm knowing what I'm going to be able to do to it once I get to my computer. And I love that space. I love editing my photos. I think yeah. um, Katrine Eisman, and she did the last podcast. She said she sees sliders when she's shooting. I, I've been saying that for years. I see, I see what my tools are as I'm capturing. So. Yeah, that I, I totally get that because it's like it's funny when i speak to photographers who are so like pure in the wall that they're or that that was the wrong phrase but they're so kind of um they're purists they're, they they can't purist. yeah they don't want to yeah they can't it. even they don't want to say the p word and I, it's like just I think... that, no i it's all in camera and uh, and i just think that's really narrow minded i think you've got to be we were speaking off air and we we will come on to it about the tools that we've got today but if you don't if you don't move forward you you are missing out on so many cool things about what we do I, you know even alan equipment's changed the the, the the situation that he shoots in the types of people that he shoots change he's got to be more creative because you know back in the day a guy might have just stood on stage with a guitar and sang into a microphone nowadays he's got people jumping off lighting rigs and smoke bombs going off and yeah you, we still yeah, have to evolve yeah but it's more than do. that i mean i started out with film as well and i i i don't have a fine arts degree i have a computer science degree an english degree minor minor slightly different but i took photography in college and I spent an inordinate amount of time in a dark room because I really enjoyed it. Maybe it was just the chemical smell. I don't, I don't know. But I really enjoyed the, the process of, of being in a dark room and developing film and, and creating prints. And um, I wasn't trying to do anything weird or different or artsy to him. I just, to me, that it was magic that I could take a box outside, take, press the button, go back inside and have that image produced. I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. But anyone who says that, photoshop and you editing and it's not true to the film i mean, has never spent a lot of time in a dark room because i got to play with mm-hmm. the chemical mixture i got to play with the lights i got to play with how i developed the film i got to play with how i printed the film i got to do dodging and burning which is why i still love dodging and burning in photoshop mm-hmm. um those are all tools that created a final print that was very different from what the camera might have recorded so the idea that you're not editing stuff because you're you know shooting film or whatever it is is it, to me is is ridiculous and um there i think it's a cop-out it, i i think it's i don't i think it's saying i don't want to learn yeah i don't need mm. to oh. i when i'm co- i do one-on-one coaching um it's one of one of my income streams of many and i always tell my my clients uh it's more of a question why'd you take the picture 
What were you feeling when you took the picture? Now that we have these answers, let's go about editing it in a way to draw attention to the thing that you liked, to detract your attention from the things that are interfering with the thing that you liked. And let's look at colors and tones that evoke that mood, that feeling that you had. Because none of that's there just by pushing the the trigger on the the camera. You have to edit for that stuff. Yeah. I I did I did give an analogy once that wasn't wasn't quite correct and I did get corrected on it. But I I said it's it's that thing of if you get up in the morning and and I speak more more from for a woman than a man. But when you get up in the morning, you don't just get out of bed, put a t-shirt on and walk outside and that's it. You know, you shower you brush your hair, you put makeup on, you not these days, not no. under COVID. We'll 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 wear the t shirt we slept in the night before and jogging bombs. But but you you apply retouching to yourself before you even leave the house. I like really, that a you, lot. Yeah. It, it, you, you gotta you, make you, yourself presentable. Added, <laughs> yeah. Now if you didn't you would then use Photoshop to co- correct how you look. Mm-hmm. But you do all that first. You use the clothing, the makeup, the hair. The... So if when you are being photographed, you've already retouched yourself. Right. That sounds weird. <laughs> but you've already retouched yourself <laughs> before you That's go in front of the camera. Like so, so what you do in Photoshop isn't anything worse than what you've already done yeah. to yourself to be prepared for that moment. So going out with a, hey, look, there's a, I don't know, a tree and a horizon... I can do something really cool with that. I don't, it doesn't matter about the clouds or whatever. I need that silhouette or I need that color scheme or I need something. So I think you're right. People need to think more creatively about why they're doing what they're doing rather than just be so pure as to get the perfect thing because you won't learn. No. Well, I think that, I, I want to, I was just gonna say, I think it's really key. That question that you ask people is what did you like about the photograph? Because usually you hear what story are you trying to tell or what are you trying to convey? <laughs> and a lot of times that becomes, you know, like, oh, now I got to now I got to figure out something for other people. It's got to be a deep meaning. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and, it's, <laughs> and I have to make other people. You know, it's like, I really like that. Like, what about this photograph did I take that I really like? And yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm There's something that. that made you point your lens in that direction and, and push the trigger. Um, no, I, I, I wanted to get back to talking about this path of like where we were 10 years ago and how we ended up wherever it is we are here today. This yeah. is kind of in a public place where we we do a lot of training and talking with people. Um, I did a, I don't know if you were there, Dave, three years ago at the Adobe Max, we had a summit for the um, ACPs. Not sure if you were that. It was in Las Vegas. I was there, but I had to, I was there with Astute Graphics. So, so you I, weren't I in that miss, meeting. No, yeah. I had to miss some, I had to miss some stuff. So I don't think I was in it. I, I, um, I volunteered, which is something I find myself doing a lot of in the last 10 years. Um, but I volunteered to give a five minute presentation. Oh, I was there. Yeah. So did you there. see that? So yeah, that, I did see it. That was really, did one. that was really my story. And that was, so that was seven years. The story was seven years because that was three years ago. And so now it's been 10 years. Um, the, the point of that five minute story that I shared was that I've learned that no matter how scared I am and no no matter how loud that voice in, in my head is, it says, 
you're not good enough or you can't do it or you have no idea what you're doing, no matter how loud that voice is, I usually, if an opportunity comes my way, I say, yes, I can do that. And then I figure it out later. And that yeah. that has been my trajectory. I have, at this point, 10 years later, I at least can have proven to myself that I'll figure it out. I still get scared and I still have that voice that says, oh, you're faking this big time because you have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> but I know that I can fake it and, and I can succeed because I have over and over and over again. And my confidence has grown because of surviving it. Like what's, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? Say you can do something and be less than perfect, but what is yeah, perfect anyway, right? No, and I don't... I don't think it's. I think we undersell ourselves by by saying fake like fake it to make it. I think we it. all think, do that. Yeah. I think we, you know, somebody's put faith in, and this I had to be told this. Um, somebody's put faith in you that they believe you can do it. With me, it was Scott. Scott yeah. was, you know, I'd done my five years apprenticeship with with Nap. Um, that Scott recognised who I was and what I could bring to the table. You know, I'm looking around thinking. There's 10 people in this room who'd wipe the floor with me, but somebody believed that I could do it. So when he said, would you do it? I'm like, yep, absolutely, yep. I'll do it. I was scared because it's, why should they come and look at me? I don't, they don't know who I am. I've got nothing to back up who I am. But when you get that first one out of the way and you realise what a thrill it was that that you held, a, you know, for me, it was just like 50 people, if, if that, yep. um, and a broken monitor. But... <laughs> uh, but it was the, that thrill of, you know, people choose have chosen to come and listen to you. And you are not going to do a bad job. You are going to do the best job to your ability, plus enthusiasm on top. If you bring that enthusiasm and passion yeah. for what you're sharing, your audience wants you to succeed. Exactly. And, and if you're there for them and not yeah, for you, exactly. that pays off even more. Yep. So the the biggest the the biggest hurdle that I got past was becoming a LinkedIn learning author. And that was another situation where it, it came to me, right? I had kind of, it was kind of a bucket list thing that I didn't think could actually ever happen. I, I had made the effort on my own to get to connect with somebody and say, you know, I'd really like to author courses. I think I can. And I was, I got the response back. They had too many Adobe people. Like if you can author a course, it's not Adobe, then we'll, we'll talk to you. But if you can't, then we don't, we don't have any, I, I don't know why. I mean, this was years ago. I don't know why that was the response I got, but it was. And then out of the blue, I was contacted by LinkedIn saying that I had been recommended by one of their authors, Vaughn Glitchka, which I think you yeah. both know Vaughn. So Vaughn, and I work together at Upper Deck. So you never, I mean, if if you're out exactly. there, if you're listening to this and you're young, everybody that you're working with right now potentially is going to lead you to opportunities in your future. So be kind to everybody in your, in your world that you work with. So Vaughn recommended me to do an illustrator course that he didn't want to do because it was too... Um, it wasn't creative enough. It was like a technique, technical course. Mm. And so he gave him my name. I, I mean, it, I owe Vaughn so much for that. That completely opened up a whole other world to me. But when 
LinkedIn came to me and said, Vaughn says you'd be great at this job or at this course. Do you want, are you interested? And man, that voice inside of my head was like, you got, you got Deke, you got Tony, you got Vaughn, you know, I'm like, why, what? What do I? Yeah, I don't know. I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't even be getting their coffee from the Why? coffee machine. Yeah. But that's not what I said. I said, "Oh, absolutely, <laughs> I would love to yeah. do that course. I know I can be awesome at it." And it was, yeah, it was really scary and it was really stressful and tons of anxiety. But I did it, and it wasn't the best thing I've ever created but it's good it's getting a lot of views i get residuals on it and i've recorded five more courses for linkedin since then and i'm That's currently great. working on a, a huge course that I'll, I'll spend most of my summer on so yeah you just gotta say yes even when you have voices <laughs> saying no you're not no. good enough <laughs> Because LinkedIn Learning, um, obviously, as time went on, when we think back to, you know, we're talking about Photoshop World, and at the time, there was really only, you know, there was Lynda.com as well. Yeah, Lynda, Lynda is the same. So, link, so yeah. Lynda became LinkedIn Learning. That's right. So, so 10 years ago, so, it was Lynda. Yeah. And link, obviously, LinkedIn now, and there's a lot more platforms where there is more teaching and more opportunities. And for, even for me, the community I've found myself in, and teaching InDesign um, because that was the, the tool that I love the most in, you know, as much as I've been using Photoshop for years, I love InDesign more. Now I love Illustrator because it's my job. Mm -hmm. And so I've got like those perfect three, but teaching InDesign is what I started doing because, you know, I people were kind of scared of InDesign in the same way I'm scared of After Effects. You know, you open it, you click on the thing, it bounces, it opens up, you look at the workspace and you go, file close, I'll do that another day. And I found a lot of people felt like that about InDesign. So that's why I like teaching it. But I've been learning off David Blattner, Amory Conception, mm -hmm. Nigel French, Terry White, Scott Kelby, um, RC Conception. There's all these people that had taught InDesign that I learned from that when I was asked to teach, I, my, you know, my reaction's like, why are the others all on holiday? Or yeah. So let's, you know, so when you get to a point where, like us now, where we want to continue to to be a, an educator, of course I want to do LinkedIn learning. But I've also got friends like Tony Harmer who do it, and I know, you know, the the quality control Absolutely. in that is is immense, and that scares me a little bit. And then I think, well, why would they even hire me? Because they've got. David Blattner and Anne-Marie and Nigel French and Tony Hart. You know, yeah. they've got all these people. What am I going to bring to the table? And Your voice. You know, Adobe, That's what I've learned. Adobe Max, yeah. Adobe Max is on my bucket list. There are events. Yeah. There are things I want to do that are my bucket list. That if I'm asked to do it, hell yeah, yeah. I'm going to say yeah and do it. But I will be well, totally that, scared. <laughs> that was the thing that I've, that I've learned in saying yes to these is that the audience, the learner is looking for different voices. And we're not, each of us individually aren't going to resonate with everybody out there. Because no. um, learners are all different. So a platform like LinkedIn Learning, um, they're better by having more voices, even if it's the same similar content, by having mm. more voices presented, opens up a wider audience for them. So yeah, just because there's somebody awesome out there that that there's no way we feel like we can be good as good as we still have something to share because we're experienced professionals that are passionate about 
about the tools that we use. Yeah, I think that's thing. The I know a lot of people don't like the the P word, but I think being passionate about something really pays off because the enthusiasm right. you bring to the table right. and that's one of the th- nice feedbacks that I get from when I've been teaching you know I've done classes at Kelby one I've done four Photoshop worlds um, I've TA'd at Max the feed the feedback is is exactly that it's people have enjoyed your enthusiasm and and they can see that you love what you do I've you know Alan and I have been you know we've TA'd and we've been to events and we've seen instructors who are like Bueller Bueller yeah Bueller or hey everyone look how good I am look at me hey enough about you let's talk about me again and you learn nothing from him. I had the opportunity to speak at Max, and I'm I'm really proud of that. That's another one of those opportunities that was scary. I didn't enjoy my Max. Alan, you're talking about being an instructor at Photoshop World and how you can't really be an instructor and an attendee at the same time. You think that you want to be. Um, it's, it's really not possible because you have to be really focused in that mindset of teaching I had three sessions, so I had a session to teach each day. So the first one went okay, but I knew I knew I could be better. And I had, you know, I had done one. I had one out of the way. So I, I literally went back to my hotel and I practiced. Like, and then the next morning, I did not go to the keynotes in the morning. I skipped all of that. I stayed in my hotel room practicing for my second session. In my second session, there was tons of tech problems. My my uh, projection kept shutting off, and there was no te- there was no tech support close by to help me out, which was oh. was what it was. Kind of like your yeah. your experience of Photoshop <clears throat> World, Dave. But you know, then the third day went well, and. I wasn't, it wasn't the absolute best outing I've ever had speaking, but I did it. You know, I did exactly. it. And I have that experience. Your website, it says you are an Adobe community professional. You're an education leader. You're a guru winner. You are a LinkedIn learning educator. You are an Adobe <laughs> Max speaker. It's an impressive list. Just say yeah, I just don't... say yes to everything. <laughs> yeah, but... But the thing is, is that's, you know, when you write, I would say like your your life is your autobiography and these are all chapters and right. this chapter in our life, these, however, whether you wrap it up in five years or 10 years or just one year is people will see that list of things that you've done. They won't know if you had technical problems. They won't know if you had that's a bad a day point. or a stinking cold. They know that you were trusted to do something and you delivered it. Because if it wasn't absolute nightmare, you probably wouldn't put it on there so people didn't ask you. But but this is the you know saying saying yes and doing it is I look at that when I look at the, the the opportunities that have been afforded me and through the relationships I've had, I could never I could never have imagined that we would be sitting oh, no. here ten years on no on a podcast Mm-mm. that I've been running for two years, speaking to a guy I met in an elevator <laughs> and a, a lady I met at a meetup talking about, you know, Alan's written multiple books. You've taught at Max and LinkedIn. I've done Photoshop World. I've written a book. I could never, never have imagined any of that would happen. But it all happened but because we showed up happened. and said, yes, well, exactly. we can do it. Exactly. And I think that's a lot to learn from from whatever age, whether you're, you know, 65 or, or 20. Yeah. So is there is stuff to learn from this. Yeah. So 
what's on the future bucket list? You've done Max. You've done LinkedIn Learning. You're doing a LinkedIn class now. You've changed to, you do your photography for yourself. What, what's still on that bucket list that drives you going for the next ten years? Or she's on it now. <laughs> oh, yeah. The podcast. I think that is podcast. Oh, good um, one. No, I mean like seriously. So for life has changed drastically for everyone right now. Um, we're all stuck at home. I don't have any events. There's nothing really going on in in my corner of the world to shoot. Next week, I get to go and photograph another blood drive, food drive, um, and uh, that's it for the foreseeable future. So I'm starting to do other things. I'm starting to be creative at home more than I because I, I can't go out, and I don't think we're going to be going out for quite a while. So um, other than the LinkedIn class I know you're working on, what is the what are the things that are keeping you motivated? Um, what's keeping you uh, creative? What, you know... <laughs> I, obviously, there are days mm-hmm. where you just want to pull out your hair. I mean, from the top of my head, you can see those days for me are pretty mm-hmm. common and <coughs> not working real well. But um, for you, what's yeah? What's yeah, your bucket? That's, that's a yeah. that's a great great question, Alan. And I I really feel like I'm 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 at a transition, and I'm not exactly sure what that looks like or where it's headed. But I'm embracing wherever it is because I didn't know I was going to be here ten years ago. Um, I've been saying for most of the past 10 years that that I wanted I wanted my income to be um, primarily on teaching or, or from what I know and what I have to share. So teaching, speaking, creating courses, things like that. I still have uh, client design work that I do. And um, I hope that my clients don't listen to this because <laughs> the truth is, is that's not right where my passion is at all. And it never really has been. I was a fine art major, not a design major. So um, I want to stay on this trajectory of increasing my income with the th- being able to share the things that I know and teaching others. And I'd like to see myself completely pivot away from doing design work for clients because it doesn't it doesn't feed me. It doesn't, you know, I'm not, I'm not inspired by that kind of work. So what that looks like, um, I don't know. Um, I did make a really, really big decision, which I wasn't going to share, but you asked the question. So I'm going to share this. I don't, nobody, nobody listens to the podcast anyway, right? (laughs) Two, three people max. Um, (laughs) So at the beginning of the stay at home, you know, shelter in place, I started journaling. And I set out with a goal to write every day for 12 weeks. And I did that I finished, I wrote for an hour every single day for 12 weeks, which is a lot of hours of writing. The week, the the end of the 11th week, I, I got on my iPad, and I started Googling master's programs. Now, I'm 58 years old, so and I always wanted a master's, and I never went back to school. So that was on, that was on a Saturday, the week before I finished my journal. The week that I finished my journal, I applied for grad school. So I don't know where that's going to take me, but I'm going to get a master's degree in instructional design, and I just, it feels like, absolutely the right time we can't travel anywhere right i could i that's fantastic the and and there's such a great need for instructional design whether it's corporate or educational so um 
I don't know, guys. I it feels like a really personal decision, so I wasn't gonna share it because it's I you know it's just a journey that I'm gonna take and see where it takes no, me. I think that's fantastic. I it's absolute. That's I'm really excited because it's like you say it's all about timing, and that's the thing is we when when people say oh, I wish I'd done it ten years ago, twenty years ago. I mean, I left school at sixteen with barely any education. I got like the I left school with the basics. I never went to college or university. I went straight into a job at sixteen, started earning money, and self taught. And I, if I look back and think, oh, okay, maybe I wish I'd pushed myself and done a graphic design degree or, you know, gone to some kind of design school and learned the basics. I didn't. But that's, there's no guarantee that anything would have been better. Exactly. I think we just pick, we pick the time of our life yeah. where we're most comfortable to deal with what we want to achieve. And I've got, you know, I, there's a couple of little things I still want to do. And like I've say on the bucket list. always, but always well, wanted yeah, to go well back. Played. Always. Yeah. That's fantastic. And I can never justify it because I thought, well, I get an MFA, but what good is that? And how much money is it going to cost? And then, well, I could take a trip to Europe and visit Dave for the cost of going to graduate school. I'd rather take a trip, right? Like all of those thoughts would go through my head. And and now I realize, well, I'm not going to spend any money on travel. I'm not spending money on anything right now, staying at home. And so I'm doing it for personal growth, but the likelihood is that it'll lead to something unforeseen at this point. And I'm pretty open-minded about that. So we'll, well see. We'll have to, we'll have to revisit get back. that when it's you get years, it. two years, two years, yeah. Yeah, two years' time, <laughs> yeah. we'll have you back on. Okay. We'll talk about it and, and how that's changed. So one last thing I wanted to talk about with you, because we did speak about this off-air, which was that, like the evolution of, of how we learn and how we create from from 10 years ago. You know, back then it was... A computer and photoshop and nowadays we've got our phones our computers our phones are creative devices i would even say when i talk about you to others when i talk, talk about our story i say that one of the things that i think you've probably adopted well was was mobile or mobile um mobile mobile creativity so you know today we're looking at photoshop's on the ipad illustrator's going to be on the ipad we've got procreate we've got fresco we've got we've got all this creative capability what what are your thoughts on that how do you feel about where we are in 2020 with the creative tools that we've got how's that even changed uh, i what think you do it's and what you teach? really exciting that space is really really exciting for me um I, i'll be really honest that i embraced it early because I knew I wanted to be training and teaching, you know, recording videos. And as a Photoshop guru, that's a very saturated field, right? We have the best trainers in the world train Photoshop. So how do I fit into that? So um, I don't know if it was six years ago now, five years ago, I just made a conscious decision. You know, mobile's the thing. I can tell this is where we're going. So I'm going to get all in and learn everything I can. What happened from that that I wasn't expecting is that it really inspired me. Like I started creating things I didn't even know I had in me. I did a whole series of illustrations of animals from photographs I had taken at the local safari park. I didn't know that I had that. I didn't know. I mean, I, I've like discovered this whole kind of style that I didn't even know I had. And that's because the mobile using the iPad, it freed me up. I've spent my whole entire, you know, career sitting at a computer doing commercial work. 
And it was very hard for me to go into the creative space sitting in front of my commercial workspace. So the iPad became a place to play and be free and not have Pixel OCD and not stress over <laughs> every... <laughs> Pixel I'm sorry, that is, the, I've never heard that before. I, that is absolutely No, I've been, I, I diagnosed myself with that years ago. <laughs> So, yeah, I I absolutely think that it is the future and not just because I love it, but because the students that I teach, they are much happier with a tablet that that tactile feel of drawing right on their their tablet. I really believe that in their lifetime, the desktop workspace that we know is is going to be gone. Now, hopefully when their eyes are as old as our eyes, they'll have big giant tablets because they'll need them, right? Because Dave, that's <laughs> what you were saying. The problem is, is that the screen's not big enough. I totally agree. I have the biggest iPhone and I still edit all my photos on my iPad, not my iPhone because it's too small. But yeah. I think it's the future. I'm excited by what Adobe's doing in that space. Um, I'm excited to see where we go with Illustrator on the iPad. I totally get that it's not the same as a desktop workspace, but it needs to be different. It needs They needed to start over from scratch. Photoshop's just a big, giant, bloated application. Alan, you were saying when we were, we were talking offline that you don't know everything there is to know in Photoshop and you're never going, I don't. I'm a Photoshop mm. guru. I, I don't. I don't care. I don't have to know it all. There's too much there. They still keep bringing out new things as well. But you're right. I mean, off off air, having having spoken to you, and I'm very open to having my mind changed because sometimes I do go a bit down a very, well, no, I like this a certain way. Um, you are right. It does allow us to be more creative because even Alan said when they put Photoshop on the iPad, he was able to go and sit on his couch it changes your mindset, right? You're on yeah. your couch, you're on your recliner, you're not at work. <laughs> it yeah. just yeah. Well, that's that's part. It allows me to be. It, that's part of the problem is that um, we are all of the kind of the generation where you sit down at your desk and you have to run. And I, and we all still remember the big Adobe box of software we got. You know, every mm -hmm. eighteen months or so, we'd get the update and we'd load it in. We'd play with all the new tools and we'd try to figure out what's going on. And we'd sit at our desk and it was work. It was like it was serious. It was, and then when they came out with Photoshop on the iPad, and I could just save something on my desktop and get up and go sit in front of the TV with my feet up, and and it was no longer work. It was now. You know what? I'm just gonna kind of play with this. I'm gonna try to see. And it it took it made it fun. A exactly. And, and it's still and mm. I still fight with it to this day. That I still think of my camera as my real camera and i think of my phone and my mm -hmm. ipad as my not real camera your toys are something their toys yeah. are not real they don't have a big lens i don't have 200 millimeters i don't have this i don't have that i don't. and the reality is that uh it's two years ago now at a max in la i did a photo walk and i was helping katrine but i was just rounding up the people who were on the photo walk so i was really just watching them and I saw some images, and I said this on the episode, I saw some images come up on their phones that were mind-blowing. I'm like, mm -hmm. they're not restricted by the fact that it's a big DSLR camera and it's this lens. They just took their phone and took it. They just went and captured stuff. And ever since then, I have been really actively trying to use my phone 
to capture things and to create stuff and not to be and to be more like you are Teresa where it's like when I'm taking it I'm realizing what I'm going to slide which what I'm going to affect I'm going to use how I'm going to edit this because in my world shooting a lot of times for the AP or for clients I need to capture exactly what's in front of the camera and I'm not yeah. allowed to edit it never mind don't want to or don't have the time to I'm not allowed to I can't take it into Photoshop if it can't be done in so Adobe, now you're having fun right it's it's fun you're having if fun it, with it the yeah. rule was if it can't be done in adobe camera raw it can't be done don't yeah you can't change pixels you can change contrast and lighting but yeah. you can't change the pixels now i'm it's free and opening up and i'm watching younger people who take that technology and are just running with it i mean the idea and and again this is changing the world as we speak the idea that you can videotape something or photograph something and share it edited instantaneously yeah. <laughs> from your phone is changing the world isn't it yes yeah and i'm yeah you know, for the good absolutely yeah. for the good and it's been yeah. doing it for and, for yeah. a little bit now but it is it is honestly we're in a world that is that has changed in the last 10 years we have seen cell phones go from devices that were a pain and a leash to literally the mm -hmm. most creative tools we have with us all the time I think we need to embrace that. And Dave, we were talking offline before we started recording about how you were not sure that you were embracing the mobile because you can't replace your big screen and your monitor and your professional workspace. And those those mobile devices aren't doing everything you need. But I think that's the key is what do you need? What what is what do you have to um, output or send or you know what's the final product and for maybe the majority of the creative people out there the final product that they get from their mobile device is all they need right yeah it's a you don't need I'm, your whole big workspace if you're just doing social media content for example yeah. you don't need how, it but how can how can i have a messy desktop full of folders on an ipad <laughs> 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 no, the thing I the reason why I, I like because we were speaking off air about, about it and I and my thing was I love the mobile stuff. You know, I went and bought an iPad with a friend of mine who sells uh, Procreate resources and Photoshop and Illustrate resources um Dustin from Retro Supply. We went to the Apple store in Portland and he was with me when I bought my iPad and, and got a pencil so that I could go and download Procreate, so that I could go and buy his resources to use in Procreate, because I wanted to expand my own creativity. You know, I was a drawer as a kid. I was a noodler. I'd have pencils, crayons, paper. I was always copying and creating. I wanted to have that kind of childlike enjoyment back, and the iPad was the tool to do it. I'd already been using the apps on the phone, but I was, because the kind of work that you and I have had to produce in the past, it has to be done on a desktop. You know, the way the files are created and output, the way the artwork's done, a 27-inch monitor is the tool to get the job done. But you're right, now that the mobile tools are getting more creative and the power is, you know, it's as good as the power of, of the, the iPad. If you look at the artwork now that a lot of big companies are using... You know, the, the Stranger Things on Netflix, all that artwork for Stranger Things was done by a guy called Carl Lambert, and he drew all that on the iPad. Yeah, you don't yeah. need... So we think you need the big desktop. In some cases, if you're, if you're doing extremely large graphics, you might. 
But in most cases, you don't because your intended output isn't gigantic. And in the case yeah. where you're doing something, we don't, we're not going to have InDesign on iPad anytime soon that we know of. So if you're doing a book or publishing or something like that, you're going to need your computer. But eventually, mm. you know, they'll figure out how to put that on the iPad. I use comp. I still use comp. Yeah. Like so, it. but those, but in that situation, you're ideating on an iPad. And Photoshop for a mm. lot of people on the iPad can be that too. It doesn't have all the tools, but like Alan was saying, he can go sit on his couch in front of the yeah. TV and just work through some ideas. And right. then because of Cloud Docs, he can just move to his desk, open it, and finish up whatever you need to finish up there. Yeah. If I'm going to sit on my mobile in the in the other room, I might as well be playing with Photoshop and learning Photoshop on the iPad and learning those tools rather than watching TikTok or, yeah. or scrolling through Twitter and you know and getting angry. <laughs> so I, I I agree the tool the tools are there to enable us to to be creative away from the, the work the traditional workspace. And actually, sometimes my best ideas come from being away from my computer. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of put ideas down, but then when I want to make something big, I come back to my computer. But also, we're producing content, like we've said in another couple of episodes, we're producing content for digital. Mm-hmm. So it's being seen, seen on small devices. We're not producing 300 DPI massive big print stuff as much nope. now. We are creating. And, and what we're creating is only gonna is only seen for very small amounts of time before the next thing comes mm-hmm. along. So it's very quickly consumed and it's created for you know twenty seven inches maximum. But yeah, I think it comes back to the fact that right now you don't have to know where or how it was created. I think it's just the pieces speak for themselves. Good mm. point. Back in the day, and I still see this pop up once in a while. You see someone post a photograph, great photograph, bad photograph, doesn't matter, but they'll have in the tagline or above it, shot on thirty five millimeter film. <laughs> I, I mean, okay, cool. You know, I mean, great. Not but, edited in Photoshop. No, but, yeah, it's, but but listen, you took it and you scanned it. And you put it on Facebook, and the algorithms on all three of those things have changed your original negative. Because I've got ten thousand negatives and slides in my garage, and I scan once in a while and I put them in. But to think that anyone cares how it was created is ridiculous. I yeah. think we've come to the point where, in the past, yes, you'd be like, okay, that was just a filter someone put it on Instagram. Nowadays, we have Photoshop, we have Lightroom. Lightroom is, an, I mean, I'm not talking about yeah. classic. I can't believe we haven't talked about Lightroom well, in all of this. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I love Lightroom. Light, but Lightroom is one of those things that started out as a desktop application for people like like me who were shooting 10,000 images at a time. It was sorting, it was editing, it was cataloging, it was putting them all away. And it has evolved into a tool for people to be able to edit and share stuff right on their phones instantaneously and get it up on the cloud. It's, it's, it has literally changed the function of the entire program. And they did, they split it into two and we have Lightroom and Lightroom Classic. And no one cares how you edited the picture when they're looking mm-hmm. at it. They might wanna know how you did it later when they wanna recreate it or you teaching them about it. But we've come to the point where it doesn't matter that I shot it with my Nikon or my phone or the Olympus that I'm working on, or whatever it is that I'm using, it doesn't matter how the image was created and shared. All that matters is, is it an image that I like? Is it an image that speaks to people? Is it something that, you know, resonates or doesn't? Is it did its job? Um, yeah. And I think that is, is something that's very hard for people like me who are stuck in their mindset because we 
worked in a dark room because we spent so much time scanning stuff in because we we did all that pre-press you know all those things and this we is, worked hard yeah, we, well, we want credit for that <laughs> we weren't asked we weren't asked trying. yes that's part of the problem is that a picture needs to stand for itself no one cares yeah people just they just want to see the image they just want you know, you just need to share it right now i mean and adobe has been fantastic about giving people the tools to be able to do that without having to learn the darkroom stuff and do do all the other things and um yeah and collaborate yeah. share and collaborate i mean that's another thing that we talk a lot about at work is the fact that it used to be just you whereas now you can have two or three people working on a project around a piece of work that we can hand it off to each other really quickly and you know adobe have got this cloud format and We've got the mobile devices and you can bounce from one to the other. You can share things you've made with other people, share assets. And now you get this more community-orientated design, whereas we've often said back in the day of teaching, uh, you know, everyone, nobody would share the secrets and now everyone's fighting over themselves on YouTube to, who can teach the most and give away all the secrets and, the, you know, the, the special secret sauce and the steps to do everything. That they are, cla- they are just fighting, fist fighting on YouTube to provide the most content. But like you say, Teresa, as for us as instructors, well, we should be looking at teaching mobile mm-hmm. and not, not traditional desktop teaching of the past. We should be looking at... Well, how can we use a, you know our phone and our ipad and our ipad pro and our i, I do a lot of that Mac. yeah i last yeah. week i spoke um i was a presenter or speaker for the creative pro week conference and uh, one of my sessions was um mobile apps or it was phone and tablet a designer's best friend and i begged to give that session I really did. I because I'm passionate about it, mm. and I only had 40 minutes, which isn't even you know a drop in the bucket with everything's possible. But my goal with that session was just to inspire the attendees to give it a try. You know, think about think about what you could create on your mobile device that you haven't tried or thought about. So hopefully, I accomplished yeah. that. But it was a lot of fun, and it's nice you get to teach at another event. Even though it was online, I mean that's a different. That's yeah, a big it was. Thing it was. Well, it was very successful. Events online is yeah is different. It is. But that's great, and so that's another one to add to your website. So to to round it off, Teresa, because I know we're definitely going to get you on when you've got your master's degree. Um, <laughs> the question that we uh, have often had in previous episodes is what we call loves and loathes, mm-hmm. which is something you love about the industry you're in and what you do that that keeps you excited the loathe doesn't have to have to be something you hate it can just be i wish this was different or i wish this wouldn't happen so firstly what's what's your love what is the first thing that comes into your head that you love about what you do i love technology i just i always have i love tech i love that it changes constantly i'm always having to learn and i love learning so i just happy in that space it's constantly growing and evolving it keeps me inspired and creative yeah and and today as well i got the notification that photoshop camera app activated live so i'm going to be playing with that later and see what that does and what about the opposite what what could you would you change what do you think wish was different it's it's kind of personal but i i don't think i'm alone and struggling with this in that 
I work for myself and I have for 10 years. I love everything I do, but it's a constant hustle and it's hard to make a living. I'm just going to put it out there. It's really hard to make a living. And that, and that eats at me sometimes because I think I am, I have a lot to offer and I think I'm worth something. And there's so much free content out there. Everybody's wanting to give away their creative work, their training, their photography. And it's just, that's hard. It's hard to keep, be, stay positive and keep, keep up because of that. Oh, I think that's the best answer to that question we've oh, ever is, had. It's the truth, <laughs> I, though. And the most I, honest. I have to tell you, there are so it many is. people who are now having to work from home. And they, and I talk to them and they're friends and they, and one of my one of my friends and he he works for a big tech company but he usually goes into the office so he had to work from home for like a month and i spoke to him the other day and he's like oh man it was so tough and i'm like dude i've been doing that for 10 i've been doing that for close to 20 years now i think it's like 17 years i've been working for myself from home i said you can't tell me how hard it is and i mean you know, yeah. Take in take into the account all like the actual hard parts about working from home that everyone is now experiencing. There's also that I work for myself, so if mm-hmm. I'm not hustling or trying to find a stream of income, it's not coming in. No one's coming into my office and handing me a stack of papers and going, "Yeah, hey, work on this." It's no vacation pay, no, no benefits. What? Yeah, my, my, it's I, tough. I'm married, right? so I have benefits. It's- I'm married too, right? <laughs> I- <laughs> yeah, we're married. That's that's why we can do yeah. it. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, that's a great it's answer. tough. Can I offer one more Absolutely. that I of that's a, that's an equal? So this is a love hate. I did the love and then yeah. the loathe. This is an absolute down the middle love hate, and that would be social media. <laughs> so. <laughs> I love both of you guys. I consider you good friends, but we would not happen. It would not be possible without social media, right? Right. I know what's going Mm. on in your lives without having to talk to you all the time. I can keep up and I love that. The network, I have friends literally around the world now because of social Mm. media, but gosh, I haven't been on social media. I don't know if anybody noticed, but... Things are just so tense around the world right now, and I I can't deal with it. I just I go on to Twitter for a few minutes or Facebook, and I'm like, I need I yeah. I, I got to be out of here. I can't I can't deal with it. So it's it's I think it's as good as it like you say it's that love hate. As good as it is, it's equally as harmful. I think it's distracting. It's harmful. It's uh, it af- affects people the way people think too quickly. Mm-hmm um there's a word for it i can't think what it is but it does you know you your day can be turned on its head by something happening on social media and when you're at home trying to like you say stay creative be focused do your job it's the worst thing to have in your life and that need to feel like you have to keep pushing out content i yes uh, that's just not me i mean i'm i'm an introvert i you know i'm happy in my quiet place I do like to share and I get fantastic feedback when I do. I get really engaged conversations when I do choose to share something, but I just can't do it every day. And then you feel like you're only as good as the thing you shared three months ago. So you're already forgotten about, right? So you got to keep yeah. going back. And that's, yeah, that's exhausting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's exhausting is yeah. a great word for it. So I, I need to feel like I need to make a disclaimer here. 
and Dave. Um, so I, I'm on three social media platforms. I'm on Facebook, which is family and friends. I'm on Instagram, which everyone is willing to. It's, it's Alan underscore Hess on Instagram. It's fine. I'm also on Twitter. I'm not even going to say what my Twitter handle is because Twitter is a place where to keep myself sane these days it's where I scream into the void and it's where I shout yell rant and rave and if that's okay find me if that's not okay don't because um I do work at home alone I don't have a big group of people here <laughs> and sometimes I get really angry and mad at what's going on and that's where I release that pent-up anger so um I that's yeah. my way of using social media for the way it benefits me but I exhausting is a perfect word for how I feel sometimes um, when I find myself going to Facebook instead of just taking a walk or going and playing with it all. Mm -hmm. And there's times where I just feel like I need to step back and, and, you know, I have, and I'll do it again. I don't tell anyone it's no big deal. I just kind of drop away for a while. Yeah. And friends will still I just be get there quiet. when I get back. Yeah. Let's just, just be yep, quiet. I do the same thing. Um, yep. Yeah, I, I, I'm, the, I'm the same. I don't even know what I use Facebook for anymore. Yeah. It's just there. Maybe if my mum posts something, I like it, or it's my auntie's birthday, I can wish her happy birthday. I don't even know what I use it for anymore. Uh, Twitter, I go in from time to time, mostly through work because someone's tagged us, or it, or I, I'll, I'll follow a hashtag of something that I find interesting, whether it's sport or football. I try not to look at any politics or news because there's too many people got. It's not possible though. <laughs> yeah, but you you have to you have to make make a conscious effort not to go down that rabbit hole. The the place that's probably the most fun is the one I use the most is Instagram because I like sharing my personality. Um, and just while I've been off, um, you know, Alan knows I've got loads of design books. So I created an Instagram account called Clayton Design Library, and I've been photographing every single book in my collection and doing a video quick f thumb flick through. And I created an account and I've posted every single book and I'm still doing them and I'm on 400 already. And I and I did it because I like seeing other people's libraries and seeing their books. And I just thought, well, I know I've got a few little odd ones. Posted them on. In a month, it, it went from like me just cataloging my collection for insurance purposes. I've got like 670 people following it and I get good interaction. I enjoy sharing something. And the amount of designers that go, oh, wow, I didn't know that book existed. Oh, that's awesome. I'm going to go and order it. Oh, I love that that's art. That's the that love of, of social media. That network that yeah, you're that's... creating, it's it's what we love about it. Yeah. I and is... that's the sharing of something we love. Right. I think if you get that positivity back from the, you know, you get the right audience, it it can be lovely. It is nice. I, I try to post a few books every day. That's the only thing I'm a, I've been a slave to because I've got the time. Yeah, I use I'm I'm so I don't know. I set rules for myself. I've always been this way, like like I'm going to do the 12 week journal. So I did it like I make a mm. commitment. So when I first got Instagram, I made the commitment that it would just be for mobile. I guess how many years ago that was. And I've stuck to it. So you won't find a single picture on my Instagram feed that's that's from taken from my real camera as Alan puts it. Yeah, um, it's all it's all mobile, either mobile created or from my phone. Uh, well, we'll put all your links up in the show notes anyway because i'm going to encourage people to go and see what you do um 
Thank you so much for being a guest. It has been 24 karat gold this oh, episode. I'm so honoured. I'm, I'm going to specifically send this episode to certain people to listen to because it has just truly been an absolute joy to hear your answers and and the information you've shared. Um, it's a pleasure to call you a friend. And, and so I'm so glad I met you and Alan 10 years ago because I'm chuffed to bits. I can sit <laughs> Don't here. Don't make me cry. This podcast. <laughs> <laughs> And be able to and be able to share our experiences of you know like you said we're all in our late late thirties plus tax yeah but we're on a great journey aren't we <laughs> it's, it's, it's exactly. been fantastic yeah, decade I mean we think back it's been, yeah I mean ups and downs but it has been one crazy incredible year. yeah memories and the fact that we can capture a lot of those memories on our <laughs> devices now that we can go back and look at them and. <laughs> think back to every <laughs> I love going back and looking through events when I've stayed with Alan I've had two birthdays at Alan's house in the last four wow. years you know things just little little beautiful memories that I'll have but um it, I'm so glad I know you Teresa thank you for your time um I can't wait to get this episode edited and get it out and share it so thank you very much well, for being on he shoots he thank you for having me it's a true truly an honor to know both of you guys oh. call you my friends and to spend this time with you has been awesome cool and oh, thank you alan I, for for being part of it again this is I, I i can't believe that we are sitting here because if you would have asked me 10 years ago there's, there's <laughs> no there's way, no way. <laughs> there's literally no way that uh, I would have been like, this is this is all the things that it could happen in the next 10 years and anyone sitting out there who thinks their life is in a rut or that it can't change i'm i'll tell you man it just sitting here and and I can see both of them and figuring out what we've done in the last 10 years is literally mind-blowing. It's unbelievable. Yep. And we're on opposite sides of continents. Yep. <laughs> San Diego, eight hours difference, and we've been able to have a, an hour and a half chat that I've absolutely loved. So uh, thank you. And hopefully I'll see you next year at, at an event. Yeah, in person. We can actually be. like hug for real. Yeah, I hope yeah, so. Hug, we really we do. We touch. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, so have a good have a good evening and uh, say thanks again Teresa and we'll see you Thank soon. Thank you.